As you're being seated, if you will find your Bibles and open it up with me to Luke chapter 12. Luke chapter 12. I love that song, We Believe, because if you pay attention to the words there, it literally takes you through the, uh, the gospel and what it is that we truly believe. You know, I think we often fail to realize just how radical the message of Jesus Christ was. Now, I think partly we don't realize that because of, uh, of medieval Jesus. And what I'm talking about there is that image of Jesus that you see in a lot of the Middle Ages painting where he had long flowing locks where it looked as though he just used Pantene and, and uh, they, they would put a halo over his head and kind of birds flying around him. Because uh, in reality, Jesus was a carpenter. Uh, so he was, he was a strong man. He probably had rough hands. And, and the message of Jesus was radical. If you embrace it, it's going to force you to go against the flow of culture and against the flow of the crowd. And as we saw last week, there will be times where as a Christian, you have to ask this question, do I fear God or do I fear man? Why? Because you have to go against the crowd. You have to take some stands. There are some things that you believe. And whenever you believe some things as truth, it changes how you live life and it changes how you see life. Now, if you are a fair student of history to any degree, you know that Jesus is undeniably the most impactful person that has ever lived. But he is also the most polarizing person that has ever lived. Why is that? It's because the message of Jesus was very clear and very distinct. You are either for me or against me. Jesus left no room for just the neutral, lukewarm position. But understand this, because most of you in the room are devoted followers of Jesus Christ. So understand this, whenever you follow Christ, you also invoke the wrath of all of Christ's enemies. And so Jesus says uh, that you have to make a decision, do you fear God or do you fear man? And he continues in verse 8 with our passage today, where he says, and I say to you, Anyone who acknowledges me before men, the Son of Man will also acknowledge him before the angels of God. But whoever denies me before men will be denied before the angels of God. So Jesus says here, whenever you acknowledge me before man, the physical realm, the world in which we live, then I will acknowledge you before the angels of God in the spiritual realm. And so throughout this passage, there begins to be this uh, contrast between the physical world in which we live and the spiritual world in which the Holy Spirit ministers to us. You see, each of us have a physical side. It's where we, where we uh, see, taste, touch, smell, hear. It's the empirical world around us that we can sense. The physical world is temporary in nature. But there's also a spiritual side. 
It's a little less obvious. It sometimes goes unseen. It requires faith. But it's just as real. And it's eternal in nature. There is a physical battle that you go through in life, and that physical battle will shape what you do. But there is also a spiritual battle that we all go through in life that shapes who we are. The physical world is often measurable. People wear their Fitbits and their Apple Watches, and it tells them, okay, at the end of the day, I took 10,000 steps. I slept 7 hours and 23 minutes. My weight is so many pounds, and, and I ate this many calories, and it measures your physical world, yet the spiritual world is a little harder to measure. It concerns its things itself with things like love, uh, forgiveness, depth, meaning, hope. We experience victory in the physical world. Whenever we cross the finish line or we close the deal, we receive that degree or we pay off that debt, but we experience victory in the spiritual world whenever we have a joy that is complete. When we find ourselves in a circumstance that is painful and difficult and yet we have a peace that passes all understanding that comes directly from the Spirit of God, when we have a hope and a faith, even whenever it's easy to have worry, fear, and doubt. The physical world is often guided by our basic need to survive. You do what you have to do to get along. You do what you have to do to try to get ahead. But the spiritual world is guided by principle. You do what you do because of who you are and whose you are. In the spiritual world, we concern ourselves with godly integrity and who God is calling us to be. In the physical world, everything is, is temporary. The, the life passes. Even whenever we try to prolong it and we try to do things to extend our life, we ultimately are always still on a treadmill that leads to the same place. Yet in the spiritual world, things are eternal. In the physical world, it's easy to distance yourself from Christ. When following Christ is not easy, you push back and you just kind of involve yourself in other things. But in the spiritual world, we find power to stand for Christ even whenever things get rough. And so Jesus begins this passage right on the heels of the passage where he says, you're going to have to make a decision. Do you fear God or man? Are you going to go with the crowd and with the Pharisees or are you going to go with me? And then he says, acknowledge me in the physical realm. And I will acknowledge you before God. I'll acknowledge you before the angels of God in the spiritual realm. And whenever you deny me in the physical realm, I will deny you in the spiritual realm. And so Jesus offers you a supernatural presence. A power that comes from the Holy Spirit of God. Forgiveness that only the Son of God can bring to you a hope that goes beyond just wishful thinking. And I, I, pray, I just hope that tomorrow's better than today. He, he offers you a hope that allows you to see beyond the circumstances of the temporary. To embrace a transcendent truth that frees you to live within the temporary. 
He offers you a strength and a wisdom to see truth, beauty, joy, and love. What a tragedy it is when people live their whole lives and they don't have that strength and wisdom from above to see truth and beauty and love and joy. They just miss it. When you embrace Jesus Christ, the spiritual world comes alive. Not only are you saved from sin, but you are unshackled to really live. But there is this sad reality that not everybody embraces Christ. Not everybody receives Christ. Not everyone accepts Christ. There are many who deny Him. And in their lives, the physical world, the here and now, is all they have. And so Jesus continues in verse 10. He says, Anyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven, but the one who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. Now, historically, this verse has a title. It's historically been called the unpardonable sin. Anybody ever heard of it? The unpardonable sin? Okay. Well, what is the unpardonable sin? Because I don't want to commit it. How about you? All right? All right. What is the unpardonable sin? Well, you might say, well, if you look back at verses 8 and 9, it seems to be that the unpardonable sin is denying Jesus before men. Yet here, he, he says that Anyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man can be, will be forgiven. So I don't really think it's tied directly into verses 8 and 9. Uh, it's a good guess, but, but wrong. Um, you know, Peter denied Jesus before men, but he also repented. And after the resurrection, Jesus said, go and tell the disciples and Peter. He was intentional to make sure that Peter knew that he still belonged to him, that he, he was his child. You say, well, maybe it's the, the big sins. Like if you, if you murder somebody, or if you commit adultery, or if you steal. If you do those things that are so bad, surely they're unforgivable, unforgivable and those are the unpardonable sins. Well, wrong, wrong, and wrong. Okay? Uh, Moses, you may remember. Murdered. Murdered the Egyptian man. And yet God forgave him. And God used him to lead, be one of the greatest liberators the world has ever known, leading the people of God out of slavery into the promised land. David, King David, committed adultery with Bathsheba. And then tried to cover it up. He orchestrated the events that led to the death of her husband. But God forgave him, and God still used him. On the cross, the thief on the cross next to Jesus placed faith in Jesus. He died physically for his crime, but Jesus said, Today, you're going to live with me in paradise. He was forgiven, and he wound up receiving heaven. The unpardonable sin is to deny the Holy Spirit's witness that Jesus Christ is Lord and you are a sinner 
in need of a Savior. That's the unpardonable sin. To deny the Holy Spirit's witness that Jesus Christ is Lord and you are a sinner in need of a Savior. Now this is good news for those of us who have trusted Christ as Savior and Lord. You can't commit the unpardonable sin. You have responded to the Holy Spirit's call upon you and you have placed your trust in Jesus Christ. Yet this was bad news for the Pharisees and the scribes that were in the audience that day because they thought they were perfect. And they had denied the Spirit's witness in their hearts and around them. You see, all these miracles that Jesus had committed, all all these things that He had done, the feeding of the 5,000, the walking on the water, the healing of the blind, why why did Jesus uh, perform all those miracles? All those miracles are called signs. Signs of what? Signs that Jesus is the Son of God. They were the witness of the Holy Spirit as to who Jesus is. And the Pharisees actually saw these miracles and saw Jesus as evil rather than godly. They denied the clear witness of the Holy Spirit. They thought they were perfect and righteous in and of themselves. And I believe that most, if not all of them, died without trusting Christ as Savior and Lord. You see, when the sin of unbelief reaches the grave, it's too late. The sin of unbelief is the one sin that can never be forgiven. Whenever it reaches the grave, it's too late. Among the greatest tragedies of an unbelieving life is that you never experience the joy of living in the spiritual world. You never experience the joy of having the counselor that is the Holy Spirit. Having the guidance of God's Word. In Him was life and that life was the light of men. And so you live in this physical world and you live this life and you try to navigate the maze that we call life, but you have no light to help you see. And so all you have is the physical world around you and you try to make the best sense of it that you possibly can, yet you never really receive the power on high that comes from the spiritual world. And when you aren't a believer in Christ, the physical world is all you have. And so whenever the physical world around you begins to fall apart, all of life has fallen apart. And even if you manage to navigate the physical world pretty well for 70, 80, 90 years, there's still this nagging reality that everything in the physical world is just temporary. My life will fade. My relationships will come and go. Money will be here today and gone tomorrow. Everything is just temporary. But in the spiritual world, things are eternal. So Jesus says in verse 11, Whenever they bring you before synagogues and rulers and authorities, don't worry about how you should defend yourselves or what you should say. For the Holy Spirit will teach you at that very hour what must be said. So what we have here is a collision between the physical world 
and the spiritual world. In the scenario that Jesus has set up here in verse 11, the physical world has collapsed around you. You have been arrested. You are being brought before the rulers and authorities. You are on trial for your life. Everything in your physical world in this illustration is falling apart around you. Now, the irony of the illustration here is that it foreshadows exactly what was going to happen soon in Jesus' life. That he was going to be arrested, that he was going to be brought before the rulers and authorities. And in the previous verse, Jesus had just found the Pharisees and the scribe as guilty of blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. And the Pharisees and the scribes, when they would arrest Jesus, they would accuse him of blasphemy against God. And yet the resurrection would proclaim that Jesus in no way blasphemed God because he was totally innocent of sin and through his resurrection and through his death, he makes salvation available to all. The resurrection revealed that sometimes, no matter what God does, there will be some that don't see it. Think about this. Jesus performs miracles. He teaches. He lives among the people. They publicly kill him. And then he rises again. Hundreds of people see the risen Christ and provide testimony to his resurrection. And yet there are some that are so trapped by the physical world that they never even see the Holy Spirit of God working around them. They miss it. Now in the physical world, it's easy to worry. You've just been arrested. You're on trial for your life. You've got a lot to worry about, right? Physical world is falling, around, around, falling, falling apart around you. It's easy to worry in the physical world. What am I going to say? What am I going to do? What if Dak Prescott gets hurt this season? What if the wrong person gets elected? What if I get sick? What if, what if my child gets sick? What if I lose my job? What if, I, what if my 401k dries up? I need that. I'm retired. It's really easy in this physical world to worry. But Jesus teaches us you don't need to be worrying about all these scenarios. What if they arrest me and what if they accuse me of these things? You, you don't need to be, to be worrying about all those things. Now, that doesn't mean that you can't do some sensible planning. But it does mean this, that when things don't go as planned, God has a plan. I like that. Let me rewind the DVR on that one. It doesn't mean that you can't do some sensible planning. But it does mean this, that when things don't go as planned, God has a plan. 2 Corinthians tells us that we walk by faith, not by sight. 2 Corinthians 5, 7. We, for we walk by faith, not by sight. Let's say that together. For we walk by 
not by sight. Walking in the physical world is often all about walking by sight. What's around me? What do I have to do? What are my responsibilities? What can I say? What is the date? How do I play the odds so that life turns out in my favor? But walking in the spiritual world is all about faith. I can't see tomorrow, but I'm going to trust the one who holds tomorrow. You see, when you walk by faith and not by sight, you're able to live in the moment. That's one of the things Jesus was trying to teach us right here. Okay, what if they arrest me? What what if I fear God, not man, and yet man takes a hold of me and I find myself in circumstances that I can't control? What what do I do there? And Jesus is essentially saying, don't worry about that moment. Just trust me. And whenever the moment comes, you'll be able to live in the moment. Because the Holy Spirit of God will take care of you and give you the words to say. So Thursday, uh, I came out of retirement and I went to kids camp. I've, uh, I've been to kids camp a lot in my life, and uh, I was in retirement on that, but uh, I'll probably be going to kids camp for like the next 10 years, you know, because I got them all that age now, and I, I just want to say that our church has some really great kids, little kids, big kids, even the old kids around here are great, you know, we just really have some great kids in our church, and I can say having spent some days with them this week, that God is speaking to them. God is uh, speaking to their hearts and shaping them. And not only are they growing physically, uh, but they're growing spiritually. And one of the things that I observed this week hanging out with 9 to 12 year olds is that kids have a unique ability to live in the moment. To just live right where they are. And I also observe this hanging out with adults. That somewhere in the course of life, we often lose that ability just to live in the moment. To trust God for now. We get so worried about the what ifs. What if this happens? What if I go, well, what if they do this? We get so worried about the what ifs that we can't even enjoy the moment. You with me? The moment's right in front of us and we don't even see it. Because we're so worried about the physical world. See, yesterday morning, right after breakfast, I... I left camp to come back here and prepare for church today, and tomorrow we have Carrie's service. And so my little girl, Karis, is there. She's nine years old. She's kind of the 830 service mascot, you know. She comes and, and sits here. and well, she, got her, she got her walking boot off on Monday, which allowed her to go to camp. She had hurt her ankle. Well, and on Wednesday night at camp, in the middle of the night, I'd been woken up because she was sick and she was dehydrated and throwing up. And so I, I kind of thought she was probably going to wind up needing to come home with me on Thursday. Thursday morning, I see her at breakfast. I'm like, Karis, how you doing? She's like, 
you know. She's like, Dad, I don't want to go home. I want to stay. And so, so um, I was like, okay, you can stay. You got to take care of yourself, but you, you can stay. And, and I had one of those dad moments, okay? I know it's totally separated from rationality. There's counselors that love her, and she'll be okay. And millions of kids have gone to camp, and they've survived. And it's just the beginning, and all those things y'all are going to tell me. Because y'all have already walked it, okay? You know, and just wait, Lash. You know, you haven't even gotten started yet. Okay, I, I get it, right? But it was hard. It was hard. And I drove away from the camp, headed back home, and I was worried. I was emotional. And I was praying, God, just take care of my little girl. Just take care of her. Just help her to have a good day today. And, you know, I was about five, ten miles away from the camp, and everything in me just wanted to turn around and go, okay, Paul Reed can preach tomorrow, and I'm just going to stay there and watch her. And it was like God just said, the Holy Spirit just said to me, do you remember what you're preaching on tomorrow? You know, live in the moment, trust God. I've got this. And so Jesus reminds us that sometimes we just need to start, stop worrying and start believing. But what if, what if, what if, what, 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 what if? What if the physical world crashes, around, crashes down around you? The Holy Spirit of God lives in you. And no temporary circumstance of life can take you from his hand. You belong to God forever. And he gives you a hope and a joy and a love. And there is nothing in this physical world that can take it away. And when you find yourself in those moments where you don't know what to say, God says, I will give you the words to say. So what are you worried about today? When you walked through these doors, what, were the lo- what was the load on your shoulder? Your health? Your finances? Your marriage? Your children? The world around you and all the stuff that's happening and you read about in the news? Sometimes in life you've got to ask this question, do I fear God or do I fear man? Now I know, you've got to go to work, got to plan for retirement, got to manage the home. But I also know that beyond all the things you have to do, there are spiritual moments that need to be seized. And sometimes we get so worried that we lose our ability to see and seize the moment. Don't miss the moment. Don't miss what the Holy Spirit of God is doing in you and around you. And so our radical Savior, Jesus Christ, invites us to do something radical today. To live by faith, not by sight. Will you trust Him? Will you place your faith in Him? Would you be so kind as to bow your heads with me, please, as we come to a time of commitment? Could be today that today needs to be the day that you trust Christ with your soul. Trust Christ for salvation.
And if that's you today, then I would invite you right now just to call out to God. You might say something like, Lord, I have sinned. And I ask for your forgiveness. And I place my faith in Christ today. Embracing Him as Savior and Lord. Today is your day of salvation. I, I would love to talk with you more. I'll be here at the front during this next song. It'll be my joy to talk with you. I'll be here after the service as well to be a pastor to you. I also know that in this room there's a lot of people that have made that decision. But today you're struggling. You're struggling with worry and concern and all the pressures of the here and now. And so before we sing this next hymn and give our offerings and spend time in the Word with each other at Life Group, perhaps you just need to do some business with God. God, help me to live by faith and not by sight. Help me to worry less and trust more. Drain me of anxiety. Fill me with faith. Help me, Lord, to see the spiritual world around me, to see it and seize the moment so that I don't miss life because I'm so consumed with life. Father, I pray that we might truly live. Father, we thank you for life. Help us to live it to the fullest. Thank you for our friend Carrie, a life that was lived well. Pray, Father, that we too might live our lives and when we reach the end of life here, step into glory and live with you for all eternity. Help us to see and seize the moment that's right before us. In Jesus' name.